If you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at Matthew 6, verse 9 today, the second half. You started this last week, and uh, we're going to finish this verse today. It's a short verse, but uh, as you'll see, there's a lot here. So friends, listen. This is the word of Christ. Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is God's word. In this passage, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And that's good news. That's that's really good news. So many people pray and they feel like their prayers are kind of like rolling the dice. You don't really know if God's listening or if he is. You don't know if he's pleased. You don't know if your prayers are getting through. You don't know if God's going to answer yes or no. Or did he really say yes? Or was it just a coincidence? Did he really say no? Or was he not listening? You know, that's kind of how prayer can feel. And Jesus wants, more than anything else, Jesus wants us to meet God when we pray. He wants us to experience God's presence every time we pray. And so he's teaching us how. And last week we saw that Jesus begins this prayer um, by establishing our identity. Okay? That's what Jesus is establishing in the first two words. Our Father. Right? Our Father in heaven. This establishes our identity. That God is an authority in our lives who is understanding, who is loving, and who is gracious. Right? And so the, the, the prayer begins with reminding you of who you are in relationship to God. He is your Father. Well, next, Jesus moves from our identity to establish our purpose. Okay, Jesus establishes in this second phrase our purpose. What do you consider to be your purpose in life? Think about it. Why do you exist? I think sometimes we ask this question, a lot of people um, think of the their purpose as one of their many roles or jobs or responsibilities that they have in their lives. Um, the Bible says that we are happiest, we are most fulfilled when we know and live out our purpose. Okay, so this is important, right? If Jesus is establishing our purpose as human beings, this is actually part of the key to feeling fulfilled in your lives. And the Bible affirms your jobs and your roles and your responsibilities. But the Bible also says that we were made to know God and to honor him. So above all of the different relationships and responsibilities and jobs and roles that we have, there is a relationship with God that is first and foremost. It's the most important thing. So just some things that affirm this. First, the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So in everything that you do, do it for God's glory, because your purpose is to honor Him. And then, part of the confessions of our own church, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question and answer number one, says, What is the chief end of man? What's our purpose? The answer Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So again, this is the purpose for which we've been made. 
And then John Piper has become world-renowned because of being able to articulate in a thousand different ways this central truth that's in his book, Desiring God. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And so this is our purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God, is to live for the glory of God. And we do that in relationship with him. And so, um, so again, this is, this is what Jesus is saying. He is setting the purpose for all of God's children. Our purpose is to glorify God. He says it this way in verse 9 of Matthew 6. He says, hallowed be your name. He says that our purpose is to hallow God's name. And then J.I. Packer said this about this particular request, this petition in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name. He says, this is the biggest and most basic request of the whole prayer. Understand it and make it your own, and you have unlocked the secret of both prayer and life. Unlock the secret of both prayer and life. So we're going to look first at, um, at, as we look at this phrase, we're going to ask just three questions. The first question we're going to ask is, what does this mean? Okay, I know that I said this phrase, hallowed be thy name, probably about five or 6,000 times, I think, before I ever understood what it meant. Hallowed be thy name. I used to say that over and over and over again, growing up in the church. I'd say it, I, I would pride myself on how fast I could say that and the rest of the prayer. Right? But I never understood what it meant. Like, have you ever thought about it? Like, what exactly does it mean to hallow God's name? We want to talk about that. Well, the first thing you need to understand is you need to understand God's name. Okay? Hallowed be thy name. Well, so what does that mean? What is the name of God? In, in the Bible, names actually reveal the essence of a person. Okay, so it's different. Not just a title or, a, or, or, or something where you just sort of name somebody so you have a shorthand so I can say, oh, oh, Jackie. Right? No, no, in the Bible, especially when it talks about God, the name of something reveals the essence of a person. It reveals the essence of who they are. Okay, and so there was this incident in Exodus where Moses said to God, he said, God, please show me your glory. Okay, which, which in other words, he's saying, Lord, reveal yourself to me. And the Bible says that when God revealed himself to Moses, he actually proclaimed his name to Moses. Okay? And so we're going to look at this. This is Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 through 7. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, Moses, there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Okay? So God proclaimed his name, which means he revealed his essence. And this is what he said. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord. That was the new name that God took upon himself when he made a covenant with Israel. And he's going to define what the Lord, the Lord means. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. 
And so the point here to see, other than that this is an incredibly glorious name for God, this reveals both his love and his grace as well as his justice. He is both grace and truth. But the point here is that the name of the Lord is the revelation of who he is. Okay, and so when we look at the rest of the Bible, and you actually do a study, something that's a really great way to know God better is just to look up all the different names of God in the Bible. Look them up and understand that if these are revelations of who God is, then this is a way that you can get to know God better. The Bible says that God's name is the Lord will provide. The Bible says that the Lord's name is the Lord who sees. He sees us when we're struggling, when we're suffering. He's called the Lord our righteousness, the Lord our peace. He's called the creator God. He's called God most high. He's called the Lord of armies. And so we see different aspects of God's character as he reveals himself. You can know who God is and what he's like through the names, through his name. And so, what does this mean for this petition? Well, so to say, hallowed be your name, to hallow God's name is to hallow God for who he is. Okay? It's to hallow God himself. So that's kind of helpful. So it's not just the name, but it's who God is. But what exactly does that mean? Right? What does it mean to hallow God's name? So I've got a quote here that, uh, that isn't up on the screen. This is from William Hendrickson. Listen to this. He said, Hallowing God's name means to hold him in reverence. To hold him in reverence. Then he goes on. To honor, glorify and exalt him. To do this requires humility and gratitude in the heart. If you want to know how to do this, it requires humility and gratitude in the heart. And an earnest study of God's word and his works until observation changes into rapturous astonishment and worship. Do you follow that train? So it's, it's humility and gratitude in the heart, but then it's studying God's word and his works. So what God has done that's revealed in the Bible, what God has done in your life and in the lives of people around you. So it's, it's studying those things. It's studying God's word until observation turns into rapturous astonishment and worship. I just think that's wonderful to continue to think about who God is and what God has done and what he's like until you are moved to be amazed. Now, if that's not concrete enough for you, the Psalms, the book of Psalms does this everywhere. In the center of the Bible, there's 150 songs that were written. That were written, some to God, some to his people. And in these Psalms, so many of them, they see God working in their lives. And they stop to meditate on what it means that God is a God who does these things. 
right? They meditate on God's majesty, on his power, on his caring for their needs, and it fills the people with gratitude and amazement. It causes people to think, wow, like this is our God. This is what he's like. This is what he does in our lives. This is what it means to hallow his name. So here's just one example. This is Psalm 103. And just watch what happens here. Watch as the psalmist takes what he has seen God do and turn it into rapturous astonishment. Okay? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So actually, if we stop here, you see his holy name and bless the Lord, right? His name is synonymous with who he is. Okay? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget what he's done for you. Study them until you are moved to rapturous astonishment. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. The Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor pay us, repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And that word fear, synonymous with those who hallow him, those who honor him, reverence him. So let the Psalms lead you to hallow God's name if you don't know how to do that. They'll teach you how to do that. John Piper said this, In this petition, hallowed be your name, we hear the one specific subjective response of the human heart that God expects us to give. So he says that only in this first petition is there a subjective response that's supposed to come from our heart. Okay, and that is this desire to hallow him. This is what God expects us. The hallowing, reverencing, honoring, esteeming, admiring, valuing, treasuring of God's name above all things. None of the other five requests in this prayer tell us to pray for a specific human response of the heart. But this one does. Jesus says, God is your Father in heaven. Let that move your heart to worship him. Simple definition. Hallowing God's name. What does it mean? It means to honor all that he is with all that you are and all that you have. To honor all that God is with all that we are and all that we have. That's what it means to hallow God's name. 
So if you pray this prayer, the second question I want to ask is, how does this shape your prayers? Right? If you take these words on your lips and pray them, if you pray, hallowed be your name, how will that shape the way you pray? Well, we need to remember, this is the first petition. Okay, this is our chief end. Right? It's our purpose in life. It's to see God's name hallowed. And yet, think about the prayers that you offered this last week. Um, in your prayers, what came first? Sometimes it's, Lord, I need. Uh, Lord, help. Lord, do this. Lord, fix that. Now, please hear me. Those aren't bad prayers. Right? God is our loving Father, and just as fathers love it when their children come to them and ask, right? Um, no, God really does. We're supposed to come to God for the things that we need. God, some, when James even says, you don't have, because you don't ask. If you just ask, I'm, I'm willing. I've got this storehouse full of blessings. I just want to pour out on you, right? So God loves it when we come and ask. But this is the petition that comes first. Hallowed be your name is the first thing that Jesus tells us to ask for. Let your name be honored. And so what this does is this petition, this actually recenters us on our purpose. You know, our purpose is to live in such a way as to hallow God's name. And so this informs the way that we pray. Right? Think about it. So, just another way to think about this, in our lives, there are times um, where something, just something owns you. Right? Something has gone wrong, there's something that irritates you, there's something that bugs you, there's a person, there's a, there's a thing in your life, and it owns you. You bring it up all the time. You're angry, and you want everyone to know about it. Or you want everybody to know about it so that they can feel sorry for you. Or, but this thing, it comes up in every conversation. You, you just can't let it go. It's very easy for us to make the problem, the worry, the person, to make that the center of our world. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's really easy to have something take that center place. Jesus would ask you to pray about that thing, but to pray about it the way that he teaches you to pray. Right? Pray about it the way Jesus teaches you to pray. Our Father in heaven. Right? So you're going to Jesus, you're going to God with this thing, whatever it is. And what do you say? You say, Our Father in heaven. I'm his child. I'm a child of God. God is my father and delights for me to call him my father. Hallowed be your name. God, your honor matters most to me. Your kingdom and your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, your kingdom and your will, that is my chief purpose. Then, this thing. 
then, Lord, I have a problem. Then, Lord, I've got this relationship. To pray this way, it doesn't take that thing away, but it puts that thing into perspective. Okay, it helps you to realize that, you know what? This thing doesn't actually define you. There is a lot more that is true about you aside from this thing. You have a God who is your Father. You have a purpose in life, and that's to honor Him. And those things come before this thing. I mean, again, you still ask for it because it matters, because it's important, because God wants to hear it. But again, and now it's in its proper perspective. Do this and see if that thing doesn't change somehow when you finally get to it. See if it doesn't lose some of its intimidating power over you. I can't love this person. Our Father in heaven, wow. You have loved me with an inexhaustible and boundless love. And your word says that you have poured your love into my heart so that my heart now overflows with your love. And I want your name to be hallowed in this relationship. And Lord, I'm having trouble loving this person. And God, I don't have love for this person, but you do. You're my father, and so you've poured your love into me so I can draw from your love to love this person. Wow. Now, you actually have to then walk in that love, but now you're tapped into a source of love that knows no bounds. You're tapped into someone who honestly loves this person, right? Who sees them as special, right? Who understands them well. And see if God won't help you begin to experience his love for that person. Puts it in perspective. It's interesting because the rest of this prayer, there are six petitions in this prayer, and the rest of them, hallowed be your name is the first, the rest really flow out of this one request for God to hallow his name. Right? His kingdom comes so that his name would be hallowed. His will is done so that he would be honored. So his will would be honored. His wisdom would be demonstrated. And so his name would be honored and hallowed. He gives us bread so that we would honor him as the provider of bread and hallow his name. Right? He forgives sins so that his name would be hallowed. Right? He delivers us from evil so that his name would be hallowed. Right? This petition informs all of the rest. It recenters your prayer life. It changes everything about the way you pray. Because now your prayers run through this petition, follow this petition, and your life, you're reminded, wait a second, I've got a purpose here. 
that I want to live out. If you commit yourself to this one purpose, that your life is going to be about hallowing the name of God, honoring him, you will experience God in your life. You will experience him more deeply. You will see him in more places. He will show up. You'll, you'll all of a sudden be blown away. Wow, you'll say what Jacob says in Genesis 28 when he wakes up from the dream. He says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. Commit yourself to this purpose, and you will see God showing up in your place, in more and more places. Because we need to be recentered, don't we? There are times we need to be refocused, rebooted, reminded that this is our purpose. And that's what this petition does. So the last thing we're going to look at is uh, how. We've already talked a little bit about this, but how do I pray this prayer? How do I pray this? Well, first and foremost, remember that this is a prayer. Okay, this is a prayer. Um, So if you are already feeling a desire within you to hallow God's name, well, then that's God speaking to you. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. God's speaking to you already. But our actions are a result of this prayer. Okay? And they're actually part of God's answer to this prayer. Um, Jesus is really, he's teaching us to ask God to hallow his name. Does that make sense? This is a prayer. God, hallowed be your name. Like we're asking God to make sure that his name is hallowed. Right? And so John Piper in his wonderful eloquence said, we're praying that God would display the greatness of God. That God would overcome blindness to people seeing God. That God would overcome indifference to God. That God would remove obstacles to knowing and admiring and loving and trusting and treasuring and obeying God. This is what we're praying for. We're praying that God would do something. And it's interesting because Jesus taught his disciples to pray this prayer because Jesus was teaching them to pray that Old Testament prophecy would be fulfilled. This petition is a request that God would fulfill a prophecy. Actually, there's a bunch of them. We're just going to look at one. There's a lot of places in the Old Testament where this prophecy shows up. And we're going to look at one in Ezekiel chapter 36. Um, But Jesus is actually teaching his disciples to pray this because he wants them to line up with God's promises so that they can become in line and in tune with God's promises um, for the world. And so in Ezekiel 36, starting with verse 16, God rehearses the disobedience of Israel. Okay, they have failed to be his people, and God says he had to remove them from the promised land and judge them because they were profaning his name, right? The opposite of hallowing his name, they were profaning his name. And so we want to look at this. This is Ezekiel chapter 36. We're going to read 21 verses, okay? So it's going to be a little bit of a lengthy reading, but I want you to see that this passage is what Jesus has in mind when he teaches his disciples, when he teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name. Okay, Ezekiel 36, 16 says, The word of the Lord came to me. 
son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. Ouch. So, verse 18, I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name, in that the people said to them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. So God's name was profaned when he had to judge his people, Israel. Verse 21, But I had concern for my holy name, my hallowed name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. How's he going to do this? Well, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the waste places shall be rebuilt, and the land that was desolate shall be tilled, instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, the land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord, I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it.
So in this passage, God is telling Ezekiel to proclaim to the people of Israel, there's coming a day when God will return and he will bless you. He will bring you back and he will restore your fortunes. He will fix and bring healing. He will bring flourishing in life in such a way that the world will see. The world will know that God is real and that God is good. Jesus is telling his disciples to pray that this would come true in their lives. When you pray, hallowed be thy name, you are praying that God would make good on this promise. Jesus was saying, pray that God would bring about this in your lives. It's interesting, too, because this passage shows exactly how God is going to answer this prayer. I mean, we rehearsed it in the confession. It's through the holiness of his people. Right? It's by putting in his people a new heart, causing them to walk in his statutes. Look at this, back in verses 23 to 27. Through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will give you a new heart. I'll remove the heart of stone and put within you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Jesus has come to bring an answer to this prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to pray this knowing that he had come to bring the answer himself. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life so that he could take his heart and offer it up on the altar of the cross. So that God would take the heart of Jesus and put it in you. Jesus knew that his blood would be shed so that when the waters of baptism come, you would be sprinkled clean with water so that God's Spirit would dwell in you. These people didn't deserve this. Friends, we don't deserve this. We didn't do anything to earn this or to deserve it or to, to feel like God is in some way in our debt. He didn't have to do this, but he did it. Do you know why? Because he is glorious. Because he is worthy of our honor and our worship. You want to think about hallowed be thy name, friends. God has revealed himself most fully in Jesus Christ. We see him most fully manifested. The name of Jesus shows us who God is. He is the visible picture of the invisible God. He is full of grace and truth. He's honest with us about our sins, and yet he then dies for our sins so that we can be forgiven. Friends, God, when you pray, hallowed be your name, God says, okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it through you. I'm going to do this through you. 
in your lives? What keeps you from hallowing God's name? Is it your sins? Well, you know what? In Jesus, God sprinkles clean water on you. When you believe in Jesus, you are made clean. Maybe you don't have a heart that wants to obey God, that wants to honor him in your life. Believe in Jesus. Believe this promise, and God will give you a new heart. You're right. By yourself, you may not want what God wants, but God will give you, he'll take out that heart of stone that's hard, that's been hardened, and he'll give you a soft heart that loves him with everything. You lack strength. Do you lack, you think, well, I just can't do it. God himself will put his own spirit in you to give you the strength that you need to do anything that he asks. Folks, Jesus stands ready to give you anything that you need so that you can be a part of this purpose. So that you can both pray, hallowed be your name, and then live in a way that brings the answer to that prayer. Friends, this is what we need. This is what we need in our lives. This is what the people around us need. This is that recentering. When we connect to this purpose, when we connect to this purpose, and that's where we find real fulfillment. That's when we find real happiness, real joy comes. What would your life look like if this week you recentered it and prayed this prayer in the morning? Prayed this prayer at lunch? Prayed this prayer when you left the office? Let's find out. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, We long for the day when the whole earth is filled with your glory. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has revealed your glory so clearly, so fully in his death and his resurrection, his victory over sin and evil. The power of your spirit has been poured out into this world, and we see you changing our lives. We see your transforming power at work in us. Lord, we commit. We want to hallow your name. And so we pray, Lord, hallowed be your name. We can't do this apart from your work. We can't do this without your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. Take out our heart of stone and put in the heart of Jesus so that we would walk in your ways, so that we would live in ways that honor you, that show you the respect that you deserve. Father, continue to spread the holiness of your name through your works and through your people in every area of life so that we as individuals, so that we as a church, so that our city would be renewed spiritually, socially, and culturally. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.